Hey folks, this is Steve Bradley, God's Wordsmith, <clears throat> and today I want to talk to you about the philosophy of Christmas. It's very important, so listen up. We're talking today about God, man, and science. From Genesis 1, John 1, 1 John 1, Revelation 1, Colossians, and Hebrews. So there's quite a bit to cover, but it won't take us that long. Christmas actually begins in Genesis. Now hear me out here, because Genesis describes God as in control of his universe. The scientists, that is at least the ones who often discuss this, are adamant. No God exists. The universe just happened. Whether it's the Big Bang Theory, which up until just a few days ago was the current idea, or the steady state theory proposed by Fred Hoyle and others sometime around the middle of the last century, scientists are unterrified from the idea of an infinite personal God who made everything, including them. They say it's because it can't be proven that God exists. And of course, ignoring the main evidence that the universe exists, life exists. If you want to figure back from things, you ought to figure out what the most important things are, that is, life itself and the universe itself. The biggest problem with the ideas put forth by so-called scientists today is that every one of them depends on Darwin's theory of evolution, so-called, which was per first applied to life on Earth, then to everything, in what I've called an insane attempt to escape the idea that God might have created it all and that we are therefore responsible to an infinite personal being who rules over our lives. Because he does. The concept of God making everything makes a lot of sense, if you think about it, just based on the fact that in all of human experience, I mean all of human experience, Nothing exists without being made by some person. Yet this idea is called religion and outside of the scope of scientific endeavor because it's unprovable. Oh, really? The fact that nothing exists in human experience but what is made can't be used as evidence? Oh, come on, please. This begs the obvious question, what is scientific knowledge about the origin of the universe but speculation and religion? All of the science I see today that has to do with cosmology is basically just speculation. It's a guess. Science, as defined in the textbooks, requires reproducibility. In other words, I can reproduce this thing through an experiment. But what passes for cosmology is basically just imagination. The Bible states creation as fact, yet there are quite a few who say they believe in Jesus but reject the account of creation. It's ridiculous to suggest that the world was created 6,000 years ago. Of course it is. The Bible doesn't ever say that. 
the Bible doesn't specifically give us a date for the beginning. So we don't know what beginning time was. In fact, we don't know when, excuse the expression, time was, was created. Christmas and creation are connected. And John tells us how in three of his writings. First place, John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then John 1.14 identifies the Word as the one who became flesh. In other words, Jesus. What's more, Jesus was the agent of creation. All things, says John 1 verse 3, were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. In chapter 1 of 1 John, John says this. He says, that which was from the beginning, in other words, that which existed from the beginning, which we have heard, that is when Jesus came, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So John is saying that Jesus, the Word, is an eternal being. He's saying that he came down and we saw him. We touched him. We were with him. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 8, 20, verses 8 and 10, and 22, 12, and 16, he says the same thing. He quotes Jesus as saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Now listen carefully and think about this, because if Jesus says, I'm the beginning, that means nothing existed before him. I am the beginning and the end. Nothing will exist after him, except what he created. Says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And Jesus is talking about himself. So John says then, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, this is verse 13, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star, Jesus says. Uh, how can Jesus be both the root and the offspring of David? Well, that can be true only if he created David, yet was born into his lineage. The universe began with the word. It will never end, because Jesus pronounces himself the eternal one, 
and promises us eternal life with him. In the Old Testament, God affirms, he says, I am the beginning and I am with the last. And I'm sure he means us. When he came in the flesh as Mary's little baby, he was still God, though he is man. He laid aside the independent exercise of his divine power intentionally so that he could live as a man. The same Lord is present at the beginning of the universe, and he will be forever. He made it all, and he will redeem it all. He made the universe, folks. We are connected together with him at the creation and together with him in redemption and together with him at the end. Now, the very interesting thing is this. Not only was he there, that is, at the beginning of creation, and he entered history, he's here. The Bible quite clearly teaches that Jesus Christ is, a, is the source of, of all the order and laws that make up the universe. And the universe, as weird as the James Webb Space Telescope, has seemed to have decided that it is. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 says of Jesus, He is before all things. And in, all, in Him all things hold together. The words all things is the Greek term that was used of the universe, taponta, it's everything, in the most literal sense. And the commentators write, and I agree with this, with my own Greek studies, that the words hold together carry the idea of cohere, in the sense that he is the glue, uniting all the universe and all its laws that he has set in motion. Hebrews chapter 1 says the same thing, basically. It says, Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory, that is God's glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So we have this amazing thing. God and Jesus are the same in nature. Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God. He is the express image of his person. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And he's the one who purged our sins. And then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high because it was finished. Now that's quite the statement. He upholds the all universe by the word of his power. Think about it for just a moment. The word did not just create the universe and leave it to run itself. He's in his universe, operating it con consistently as a skilled engineer with no effort at all. The Old Testament asks the question, it's a rhetorical question, it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? No. He who created the universe makes it work 
made the natural laws that we see in effect, and he actively works it. The Lord Jesus Christ is in control of it all. Now, you know, Satan hates this. Scientists who reject God side with the evil one. Never forget that. Remember this when you watch any documentary show that suggests that the universe just happened. It's the greatest lie ever told. God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit did it all. Everything. And thus Christmas and creation are connected because the same God who is the Word became human, became a man, was born into human existence, lived his life, died and rose again to enter heaven once more as the Son of the Father. So the importance of all this is like this. The Bible is remarkably consistent. No more than in its continual affirmation that the God who made the universe is the God who brings salvation to mankind. He is both infinite, you can't contain him, he's everywhere, and he's personal. As the old little ditty says, he's great enough to fill the mighty universe, yet small enough to live within my heart. He created every object, animate and inanimate, lifeless and living. He breathed into all that lives the breath of life, and he is responsible for the continued existence of the universe and of all life. When a scientist searches for life on other planets, he confesses that life itself is a mystery that we cannot unravel, a puzzle he cannot solve. Why is the earth on which we live the only planet we have found to have life? The search for extraterrestrial intelligence began in the 50s. And the radio telescopes search every day for E.T., don't find it. Don't find him. And why is this? Well, the main reason is because God gives life. It doesn't just arise. We might indeed find life on other planets, but I wouldn't count on it. We haven't yet. I think, now this is just my personal opinion, is, is because there's life throughout the universe, yet God hides it from us, because we are a planet in rebellion. But that may be true, it may not be true. We connect creation and Christmas and acknowledge that the God who made us also has power to save us and give us everlasting life. And the only price is believe in the Son of God. As Paul said so many years ago, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is God's wordsmith wishing you the happiest of Christmases and praying that you will find him whom to know is life eternal. God bless you all. Signing off until after Christmas.